0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, good evening to you Christian Family Church. How is everybody doing this fine summer's evening? Feels like summer's returning in a very quick way. Hey, let's let's believe that is in fact the case that we're going to have no weather surprises but it's good to be with you tonight and i'm very grateful to apostle theo and pastor bear for the opportunity to come and share the word with you to be a part of the series talking about foundations and uh one thing i can tell you is that in preparation for these messages and and being here as we are uh, uh doing this series i had to be honest with myself and realize that there are certain foundations that You know, we know if we wrote an exam, we probably would choose the right answer, but we don't find ourselves relying on those foundations as easily as what we should be or as quickly as what we should be. So that's the beauty of being a child of God is that we have the simple things are what we have to keep implementing all the time without trying to get too advanced and and start, as my PT teacher used to say in high school, we must stop surrounding ourselves. He used to say, hey, you're surrounding yourself, man. But anyhow, um, let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of your word. Thank you, Father, for your love and compassion for us, so much so that you sent Jesus for us, that you gave us your word that reveals exactly who you are. Father, thank You tonight as we continue on in our series of foundations, that Your Word will produce powerful foundations in our hearts. Even if we've heard this 5, 10, 15 years ago, last week, thank You that there is a strong foundation laid in our hearts and that we will turn to You, Father, not as a last resort, but Father, that will become our natural response. Thank you, Spirit of God, for causing this word to produce fruit and life for years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you have been enjoying the series on foundations and you felt like, wow, I really needed to hear this again. Come on, I should be seeing some hands going up. That's right. And so we've been focusing mostly on faith. I mean, that is really the biggest part of being a child of God. It's all about faith. And so we've learned what faith is. We know that, uh, we know how faith comes. Do you remember how faith comes? It comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And we know that faith is the substance. It's the thing that will create life or give life to the thing that we hope for. And we understand, we've learned what the difference is between faith and hope. And last week, even Pastor Greg, towards the end of his message, said this. He said that believing with our physical senses or believing with our mentality with God's word is not believing with the heart. Believing with our physical senses, that's not the goal. The goal is not to get our mind convinced. The goal is not to get our physical senses convinced. The goal is to get our hearts convinced. So I want to talk to you about what it means to believe with the heart. Our foundational scripture for tonight is Romans 10, 10. And it says this, for with the heart, say that, with the heart, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The important thing is that it's with the heart. We should notice The words, for with the heart man believes. It's not talking about our mind. It's not talking about our senses. It talks about our heart. That's where you believe. In Mark chapter 11, verses 23, the Bible says, For assuredly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. So there's saying going on, there's instructions that are being given, but if we do not doubt in our heart, but shall believe, where? In our hearts, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice the phrases in both these verses that I've read pertain to believing with the heart. And so from these scriptures, we can see that it is with the heart that one believes. So I think a good question to ask is, well, what is the heart then? The heart of man is the spirit of man. Say that with me. Say, the heart of man is the spirit of man. Man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. How many of you have heard that being said before? Man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. So we really are made up of three definitely different Parts. And the word heart that is spoken about in the Bible, especially those scriptures we just looked at, it's not referring to the physical organ that pumps blood through our bodies that causes us to stay alive. That would mean, if it was that heart that it's talking about, it would mean that we are to believe God with our bodies. And if that were the case, then God may just as well have said that we should believe with our finger or we should believe with our foot. It's not talking about the physical heart. This word heart is used to convey a thought. I mean, when we talk about the heart of a tree, what exactly do we mean when we say the heart of a tree? We mean the center, the very core. When we talk about the heart of a subject, what are we referring to? We're talking about the very center of it, the main part of it around which all the rest revolves. That's what we mean when we speak about heart in that sense. And so when God speaks about the human heart, he's speaking about the main part of man, the very center of man's being, which is his spirit. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23, it says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit And soul and body be preserved blameless. So, here I want you to notice that Paul starts with the very heart of man, his spirit, in other words. When God speaks of the heart, he means the human spirit. You'll find that many times the words heart and the word spirit are interchangeable in the Bible. We know that man is a spirit. Why? Because he is in the same class as God. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. The Bible tells us right in the beginning in the book of Genesis. And Jesus himself says in the book of John that God is a spirit. Can you say that? Say God is a spirit. So it's not your physical man that is like God. It's not this that is like God. For the Bible says in Numbers chapter 23 verses 19, listen, God is not a man. Remember that there is an inward man and there is an outward man. Jesus said to Nicodemus, and this is such a great illustration of someone that is thinking in the physical realm and cannot comprehend what Jesus is trying to say. It says here in John 3:3, he says to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, and Nicodemus demonstrates that he doesn't understand what Jesus just said. In fact, it doesn't make sense to him. We can see in verse 4, he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So it's quite evident that he didn't understand. What are you talking about? This is impossible what you're saying. And then notice what Jesus answers him with in verse 6. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So there's a clear difference between the two and the new birth that we speak about, that the Bible speaks about, is a rebirth of the human spirit. Not any other part of us. Notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verses 9. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with what? My spirit in the gospel of his Son. So a clear distinction. Even if we think about the time when Jesus met with a woman at the well, the woman of Samaria, when he spoke with her, this is what he said in, in John 4, 24. He said to her, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he is showing there that God is a spirit, not a man. In Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, I want to show you how the words spirit and heart are interchanged. In the Bible, as I've said, but there's something else that I want you to see here as well, which I found so wonderful. In verse 28, it says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. So it's saying that you're not a Jew just because you were born in the genealogy of a Jew. Talking about being a son of Abraham in the faith. In verse 29, it says, But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. So those are the two things I want you to see here is that it's all about the spiritual side. Even the fact that we are considered to be children of Abraham, it's in the spiritual context. And we also see the word heart and the word spirit are being used interchangeably here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, he says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, what's he talking about when he says if I pray in an unknown tongue? Does anyone know? There's another word we use for that. Tongues, that's right. So when I pray in an unknown tongue or when I pray in tongues, my spirit prayeth. But my understanding is unfruitful. So notice that in this passage, the Bible makes a distinction between the spirit of man and the understanding of man. Why is this important for us? Because we're talking about how do we believe with the heart? And so we need to understand that there is a clear distinction between what goes up here and what happens inside here. Your spirit is not your mind and your mind is not your spirit. Now, some may be saying, but I know this. I've heard this before. I've read this in the Word. I've heard this before. I know this. But it doesn't hurt to hear it again. In fact, it only does us good to hear it again, because as we said at the start of tonight, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith, the Bible does not tell us that faith comes because we know what the Word says. In fact, I like this saying, uh, yesterday's Word is yesterday's Faith. So even if you've read the Bible from cover to cover, that's not, that doesn't mean that you will have faith for the rest of your life. You may know what the Bible says, but that's not how faith comes. So what is this then, the, the inward man versus the outward man? There's an inward man and an outward man. Let's just look at some scriptures that define the two differences. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. What do you think the Bible's talking about when it says the outward man perishes? It's this. It's this flesh and bone body and blood body. It says, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Day. So there was a time where this outward body comes to an end, but the inward man continues to be renewed up until eternity and beyond. So have a look at well, the Bible makes a distinction between the inward man and the outward man. The outward man is the body, and the inward man is the spirit. The inward man is not the soul. Okay, a difference there. The inward man or the spirit has a soul, but the inward man is not the soul. So we are mind, uh, sorry, we are a spirit being that has a soul and we live in a body. Our inward man is not our soul. Let me show you something else that the word uh, brings to our attention concerning the subject and how the spirit and the body and our mind or our soul are different. And what uh, uh, mainly I want to talk to you about the difference between uh, what God requires from us as far as our bodies are concerned and what God requires from us as far as our minds are concerned. So look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul says here, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. Verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, and he tells us that we should be renewing our mind. And just notice that Paul is writing to the church, uh, the Romans in in the Christian church, these people, in, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 7, he actually refers to them as saints. He's talking about born-again men and women. And he is explaining this to them. So you see, the new birth is a re, it's not a rebirth of the human body or even of the mind, but it is a rebirth of the human spirit. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost is not a, a physical experience, and it's also not a mental experience, but it is a spiritual experience. Praying in tongues is a spiritual experience. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a spiritual experience. Because your body has not been born again at the, new, at the rebirth or at the new birth. God requires you to do something with your body. You will have to present it to God as a living sacrifice. And you will have to do something with your mind. You'll have to get your mind renewed with the word. That's what God requires from us. Pastor Diddy said it this morning as well. There are things that God requires us to do. He says, I've already done my part. And so when it comes to our bodies and when it comes to our minds, we are the ones that need to do something with them. So how do I, how do I uh, renew my mind? Well, we meditate on the word. Remember, meditate. It takes time, right? It's not something that happens instantaneously. It's something we do over and over again. Coming to church, hearing the word, this is where we get to know God. It's one of our values. Here at Christian Family Church, this is how the mind renewal happens. It's something that you do, not God. God gives you eternal life. He offers you his spirit, but God doesn't do anything with your body. If anything is to be done with it, you'll have to be the one doing it. And I believe that you have presented your body as a living sacrifice to God by being here tonight. Because sometimes it's, you know, sometimes coming to church takes us presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. No or yes? What what say ye? And and, and we're here renewing our minds in this series talking about foundations. That's what's happening. Our minds are being renewed. Even if you've heard this before, your mind is being renewed day by day, the Bible says. So man is a spirit being. The spirit of man is the heart of man. And as I said earlier, we know that man is a spirit. We know that as a spirit being, man is in the same class as God. He has to be because he's made in the image and the likeness of God. That's what the Bible says. Man is not an animal. Some would have us believe that we are just as equal as animals. Animals have a soul, yes, and they have a body, but they don't have a spirit. We have the spirit, we live in a body. And we have a soul. We possess a soul, our spirit being. That's who the real we are. Listen to this. You see, there's nothing in animals that is like God. But God took something of himself, his spirit, and he put it in man. God made a, a body uh, of man out of the dust of the earth, but he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, it says in the book of Genesis. Now, that doesn't mean that God is a human and that he has to breathe like you and me to stay alive. That word breathe in the Hebrew is the word ruach, and it actually means wind or spirit. It's not talking about breathing as in oxygen in and out. It's His Spirit. He gave us His Spirit. That's when He created us. And it's also translated as Holy Spirit many times in the Old Testament. The minute God breathed of Himself into man, man became a living soul. Man wasn't alive until then, but man became a living soul. We could say that when man became a living being is when man became conscious of himself and his own existence because his body was dead without the spirit. It was just a dead body, just a piece of meat and bone. Sorry to put it that way. But when God breathed of his life, that ruach, that's when life entered our bodies. Uh, how many of you have ever looked into the eye of a dead person? Is anybody here that's actually looked into the eye of a dead person? Not many hands, which is obviously, I mean, that's a good thing. But when I, I, when I experienced this for myself, uh, it was about 10 years ago, my late wife, when she passed away, I walked into the hospital room and she, she'd been gone for about five minutes. And, you know, the the first thing I did when I walked across to where her body was lying in the bed, her eyes uh, were closed. The first thing I did, I don't know, I was just, I just needed to look inside her eyes. So I opened her eyelid. And this is the very first thing that struck me as she lay there. When I looked into her eye, the first thing that hit me was, this is not my wife. I immediately could see. You know, when you see a dead body on TV and they're not really real when the guy, the cowboy, there's life in the eye. It's amazing. But when the spirit is no longer in the body, that's the real person. We just have this out to show, but this is not really who you are. And I just remember that so distinctly. I thought, wow, what a weird thought to have. But that's exactly what struck me. You know, there's another uh, um, a portion in the Word of God that helps us to understand what happens to man's spirit and man's soul after death so that we can really get to understand that we are to believe in our hearts. And, and it's the story of Lazarus and, and the rich man. How many of you have heard of that story before? The, I'm gonna, <clears throat> sure, should have covered the mic, Sorry. I want to refer to that story to just show you once again that when this thing comes to an end, there's the rest of the real you that carries on. And so in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 22, it says, And there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. In other words, it went well with him at Lakhachiet. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, and he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died, and he was buried. So we see that the beggar died, and the angels, which we know are ministering spirits, they are spiritual beings, carried Lazarus away. What did they carry? They carried his spirit. You see, because his spirit was the real him. Let's keep reading. First, let's go to the next page. Okay. In verse 23, it says, And being tormented in Hades, this is now talking about the rich man, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. The rich man's body, the Bible tells us, was put in the grave when he died. But the Bible says that when he was in hell, he lifted up his eyes, and at that time, Abraham's body had been buried for centuries and centuries. And yet, the Bible says that the rich man saw Abraham and he recognized the beggar. He recognized Lazarus in his bosom. Therefore, we can conclude that in the spirit realm, man looks very similar to what he looks like in this life. Only better, I pray. And um, so all the defects and stuff, those will not be there. But the point is, people can be recognized in heaven. You can know who they are. You see, man is a spirit. He has a soul, and he lives in this earth in a body. But in heaven, man's soul is still intact. He can still remember things. He still has emotions. We've seen that just in this portion of scripture that we read. And, and because we also, if you continue to read in Luke chapter 16, the rich man pleads with them, pleads to send people back to his brother. He's concerned for his brothers who are still in the earth, that someone would minister to them and tell them the truth. So we can see that all of these aspects of the, the soul are still intact, even when we are in the spirit realm, if I can put it that way, when our bodies have clearly come to an end. All that happens is that the physical death is separation from the body. Physical death, that's powerful. Listen, physical death is separation from the body. It's not where it comes to an end. You simply are separated from your body. We can see in in 2 Corinthians... When a man dies, he leaves his body behind. It says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is what Paul says, and to be present with the Lord. So you see, there's a difference, right? And in Philippians chapter one, it says, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So Paul is saying, yo, I would rather not be here. I'd rather be in heaven with Christ. But he goes on to say, um, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So there is clearly evidence that while we are here in the earth, we are abiding in the flesh. It's not the same as uh, being in the spirit with Jesus in heaven. There are two different things. The Bible saying that when a believer dies, he leaves his physical body and he goes to heaven to be with the Lord. Friends, we can only understand God and the things of God through his word. We cannot know God through our natural human knowledge and through our minds. God is only revealed to man through his spirit. And you better believe the spiritual realm is real. Jesus, even though he's in a body in heaven, is not more real than the Holy Spirit or or Father God is real. God is a spirit. Some people think that God is some sort of an impersonal influence. No, God is a spirit. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a shape or a form in the spiritual realm, because he does. For example, the Bible says that angels are spirits or spirit beings. We agree with that, right? And yet angels have a form or a spirit body. So many times we've read, even when we think about Elisha praying that his servant would see the armies of angels encamped around about him when he was so concerned that there was this mighty physical army that was coming against them were completely outnumbered. There was no ways that they would be able to withstand. And so Elisha prayed that his eyes would be opened in 2 Kings 6:17. When he prayed that his eyes would be opened, he wasn't talking about his natural eyes. He was talking about his spiritual eyes. And when his eyes were opened, what did he behold? Men of fire, the Bible says. So angels have a form in the spirit realm. And we know that God has a face. Abraham, uh, excuse me, Moses didn't actually see God's face because God said to Moses, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. But he has a face. In fact, God says in in, uh, Exodus chapter 33, verses 22, when uh, Moses desired to see more of God, He said to him, I'll put you in the cleft of a rock and I will cover you with my hand. So God has a hand while I pass by. Then I'll take my hand and I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So why am I uh, looking at this? Why am I pointing this out? Because we need to understand that God is a spirit, yet he is no less real because he is a spirit than he would be if he had a physical body. We're talking about what it means to believe in the heart. God is spirit. The things of the word are of the spirit. The mind can play tricks with us. The mind is not where we rely on as far as faith is concerned. We cannot rely on our minds or even what our bodies feel like. As far as faith is concerned, we have to just believe what God says. That's why he tells us that we have to believe first before we'll actually see it. Because we need to believe in our hearts. The real man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. With his spirit, man contacts the spiritual realm. With his soul, he contacts the intellectual and the emotional realm. And with his body, he contacts the physical realm. So we're a tripod being, and we have contact with those various levels or worlds, if I could say it like that. But the revelation of God's word has to be in your heart, not in your mind. That's why to just know what the Bible says, that's not faith. It's when we are fully persuaded in our hearts. That means that even what we see with our eyes, if it contradicts what we're believing and we're so convinced that we actually have it, that's when we're in that kind of when Abraham was fully persuaded level of faith. That it means that no matter what you look at, no matter what you feel, it doesn't matter. Sometimes when people operate in that level of faith, I get irritated Do they not see how real my world is? And here they want to deny what's happening. No, it's not about denying what's happening. It's about being so fully persuaded that what is happening cannot be superior to what God says and what we believe God says. Amen? That's what faith is. The revelation of God's word has to be in our hearts and it, it can take time. Meditate. Hey, come meditate. It takes time. I can't tell you how I've been reminded of this just doing this series. I tell you, sometimes I've been flying by the mercy of God. Thank God for His mercy. You know, in, 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 uh, uh, in, in the book of uh, Psalms, it talks about God taking David out of a pit, the mud and the mire, and putting him on, on solid rock. And then it says he steadies him as he walks along. He doesn't just leave you there. His mercy is bigger than our unfaithfulness, if I could put it that way. Peter's such a beautiful demonstration, even though he began to believe what he was seeing. In other words, what was happening in his world, the physical world, started overriding what was happening in his heart. But Jesus was still there to grab his hand and to rescue him. That just shows us what a loving, merciful God. Imagine it was just purely up to your faith. Imagine that. I would not be standing here in front of you. That I can tell you. So, We've got to believe we have the answer before we get it. So if you prayed for a job, you must believe you received that job when you prayed. Someone says to me, but Paul, I don't understand it. I've already said that we can't understand the Bible with our heads. The things of the Spirit of God are foolish. The Bible says that they're a foolishness to the natural mind. And the Bible is the Spirit, is of the Spirit of God. The Scriptures are spiritually discerned. You have to grasp or understand the truth of the word with your spirit. That's why we have to keep looking at it. Because by the way, if you haven't noticed, you keep living in a natural world. So of course you have to keep looking at the spiritual as well. If we're gonna get to the point where that overrides the thing that's gonna be there tomorrow when you wake up, when you go to bed tonight, next week, next month, next year, you're still gonna be in a physical realm. But to defeat that, God gives us the answer. We have to be fully persuaded in our hearts and it can take time. It certainly takes effort. Sometimes you have to just force yourself. Okay, believe with your heart means to believe with your spirit. It means to act in faith on God's word regardless of what you feel or what you see. Now, of course, the devil's gonna challenge that. I mean, if we're coming back to the job thing, he's going to say to you, you're not even one step closer to having a job than you were yesterday. Or he's going to say to you, have you received one call yet? Have you received a call? No, you haven't. And he'll try to get you thinking about that. But that's never going to produce faith. Faith is not looking at the things that we can see. It's looking and believing what God's word said. If Jesus said, Do you believe you receive when you pray, then that's what needs to happen but I haven't had a phone call so what you believe what it says in the word but you don't know how difficult it is so what you believe what it says in the word and you stick with that and you trust God that you remember where you are in your notes Uh you thought I was having a deep spiritual moment there hey Okay, you see, in the natural mind, we don't understand the things of the Spirit of God. For instance, in order to act on Mark eleven twenty four 24 and get results, we say, in effect, I believe I receive. And Jesus said, if you believe you received what things soever you desire, then you shall have them. Believe first and you will receive your petitions and you shall have them. I once petitioned my boss, before I came into ministry, I petitioned him for a 100% increase in my salary. I don't know how many of you have done that lately. And it was just after I received my 4.3% increase. I'm, I'm not even joking. And, but God challenged me on this because I, I had this confession where I would say, petitions are granted to me even by ungodly authorities. I'd say that every morning And the one morning, he said to me, do you really believe that? And I said, yes, he said, well then petition boy. And so I did, I wrote a very respectful letter and I said, I would be doing myself a disservice, Jose, that was my boss's name, if I did not petition you for a 100% increase. Three years later, I had a 100% increase. What am I trying to tell you here? It doesn't necessarily, when Jesus says shall, he didn't put a timeline on that. But his word is good enough for you to believe that it shall happen. Think about this. That means for th- in three years, I got a 33.3% increase three years running. I don't know how many of you that happens to. That was a miracle. It was a miracle. So I'm letting you know, I stuck to that word. I, I Thank you, Father. And I believed I received it. It took three years in that instance. Other things have happened much quicker. But the point is it happened. Just like Jesus said it would. So that's what believing is. God's word is faith food. To believe with the heart means to believe with the spirit, the inward man. How does our spirit get faith that our intellect cannot obtain? Through reading and meditating on the word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's talking about spiritual food, but he's using a natural human idea, bread, to convey a spiritual thought. The word is spirit and faith food. The word, of God is the, sp- the word of God is to the spirit of man what natural food is to the body of man. Think about these things. These are things that we should be meditating on. Faith casts down human reasoning. I've already been, that's what I've been saying. Faith casts down human reasoning. It's what makes human reasoning submit to what the Word says and not the other way around. Jesus said in Hebrews 4 verses 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest. When we are in faith, we are at rest because we know that it it is done. But Paul, I don't see it. That's not what faith is. Faith doesn't need to see it before it believes it. I have to, I want to finish with, um, with, this, with this scripture. In Philippians 4, verses 19, it says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If God says that he shall supply, I mean, again, Pastor Didi this morning spoke about it. Clive in his tithes and offering message talking about Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. When we are at a point where we trust God and know that He's going to take care of us, irrespective of what's happening around us, that's the kind of faith that God is looking for, but it has to happen in our hearts. And until you get to that point, you keep Saying it, you keep believing, you keep thanking God, even if your body feels like it's shaking with concern, you just keep saying it. It has to resonate in your heart. And the more we keep at this, the better we will become with this. To believe God with your heart means to believe apart from your body or your mind, it's apart from that. We're talking about what it means to believe with the heart. Faith is of the spirit, not of the mind or of the flesh. Unfortunately, they can be obstacles to our faith. But as I said, God is a merciful God. And that's something we should have faith in too. So tonight, I wanna give you an opportunity to activate your faith by worshiping God. I mean, we've, we've prayed through the series. We've told you how important it is to get that scripture because that's what's going to produce the faith. And, and, and we've encouraged you, find a scripture. Come to the front with your prayer request. Our pastors will be standing here. We'll be in agreement with you because Jesus said, if any two of you agree upon earth as concerning anything that they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. So we've encouraged you that way. We've stood in agreement with you. And you continue every day to thank God. You stand on your scripture. You quote that scripture. That's how faith is produced in your heart. So tonight, I want to invite you to take a moment and let's worship God. You know that to praise God is the highest form of faith. To praise God, I mean, we don't don't do that. If the springboks don't score a try, there's no praise going on for the springboks until the try is scored. But the way it works with God is we praise Him knowing that the try has already been scored. Do you see that? That's the difference. So um, the the worship team are here and I'm I'm gonna invite you. We're gonna come into the presence of God, but I want you to to be mindful of the fact that you've asked God for whatever it is that you have, things that you're trusting Him for, that you believe you've already received. And with that in mind, as you worship God, think about those things and worship God with a heart filled with gratitude for meeting that need. And at the same time, I'm gonna ask uh, our pastors to come to the front. For those of you, that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you've never received the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If that's you, I invite you to come to the front. Allow the pastors to pray with you. I believe that there is faith in the room tonight for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, those that have not yet received the Spirit of God. We know now it's a thing of the Spirit, not of the mind, not of the flesh. So as we come into the presence of God, I invite the pastors to the front. For those of you that want to be filled with the the Holy Spirit, you come to the front. The rest of us, we're going to worship God because we believe He's done that which we asked of Him. We have it now, even though we can't see it. And so let's give God, let's demonstrate to Him our faith in that as we worship Him tonight. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord of hosts. What a mighty God we serve. It's so good to know that God is faithful. I may not see it with my eyes, but I believe I have it in my heart. That's exactly the recipe of faith that God desires of us. You may take your seats. I want to ask every head to be bowed as you take your seats, every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. Talking about believing with the heart Family of God, I need you to know that there is an eternal destiny that awaits every one of us. No one can escape eternity. There's only two places that, that you go after you are separated from your body at that natural death. Either you go to heaven or you go to hell. But an eternity awaits every one of us. When I read to you the starting scripture tonight in Romans 10... It says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That scripture is referring to becoming born again. That scripture is referring to how easy it is to secure your eternity in heaven. So I'm asking you here tonight, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'd love to pray with you. If you say to me, Paul, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. I can't say for sure that I'm going to go to heaven. Then I want to pray with you tonight. And if you're here tonight and there was a time where you know that you had an assurance, but you don't know so much anymore because things have happened. Your relationship with God is not where it used to be and you have an uncertainty. I'm letting you know that God is standing here with His arms open wide receiving you. And you can be sure of your eternity. You can come back to God, just like the prodigal son. That can happen for you tonight. So at the count of three, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you want to know that your eternity will be in heaven, if you want to come back into relationship with God at the count of three, please raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. It's a thing of faith, family. It's a thing of faith. Thank you. Thank you. Don't leave here tonight not being sure of your eternal salvation. It's as simple as raising your hand and saying, Father, I accept what Jesus did for me. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I give my life to you. If there's anyone else, you can raise your hand right now. Just make sure that you leave here knowing where you will spend eternity. One of the leaders, one of our dream teamers, have come to put their hand on your shoulder just in support of the decision that you're making right now. It's a decision of faith. If there's anyone else, you can raise your hand right now. It's not too late. I just feel like there's somebody that just is really fighting with that right now. If there's anyone else, you can raise your hand. The Bible doesn't say we have to raise our hand in order to be saved, but it's a way that you can show God you're reaching out to Him and saying, I accept what Jesus has done. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now and I'm gonna ask everybody, those of you at home, in the family room, And here in the auditorium, I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer with me, especially those of you that have your hands raised. Listen to what you're saying. It's a simple prayer, but mean it with all your heart. Let's say this, say, dear heavenly father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Tonight I heard that he died in my place and that all I have to do is believe that he did it. And so tonight I say to you, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died in my place and He rose on the third day. And right now, Lord, I surrender my life to You. I accept what Jesus did and I make You the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know what the Bible tells us, those that have just prayed this prayer? The Bible says that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Bible says to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. So right now, I'm going to ask the whole auditorium to give you a wonderful round of applause. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. dot com.